Well, great to see you all. Hello. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Uh, great. As Kelly said, great to be back amongst uh, family. Uh, Kelly and I go to different churches when we're on holidays. And uh, we went to um, Encounter Church, which was a fantastic time. We went to our, what I call my holiday church. It's just the church across the park from my house. And we just walked there. It was fantastic. We went there. I was getting to know a few people there. And then we went and heard our son-in-law preach at his church, which was a great delight. But there is nothing like coming home. There's nothing like being with family. And there's nothing like worshipping together and with those that you love. So it's great uh, to be here. I want you to quickly turn uh, to the people around you. Just give them a smile, uh, maybe a wave if you like. Uh, that's up to you. Because you're going to pray for them right now, just letting you know. And uh, we just... So let's pray for those people around us because we want God to speak to them, don't we? As we want God to speak to us, we want God to speak to those around us. So let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for everyone who's around us. And uh, Lord, we, we pray for those who are in front and behind. And we ask, Lord, that you will move mightily in their lives. Lord, they've come wanting to experience your presence. They've come wanting to experience your voice and to, to get refreshed and renewed and to hear direction, Lord. And so we pray that blessing upon them right now. And we ask that as they pray for us, Lord, that you may fill us afresh and anew, that your spirit may speak to us. So Holy Ghost, come at this moment and enable us to commune with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Just before I, uh, I begin, just want to acknowledge that um, this time of the year is a really difficult time for our Indigenous brothers and sisters, and I just want to uh, you know, proclaim a blessing upon them as they struggle with this season uh, in our calendar, and, uh, and ask God uh, to give them peace and that will move mightily in their lives. Well, we're starting a brand new series called Discipleship. I do this every single year. It is the ABCD of discipleship. And uh, I do it every year because a couple of things. One is you forget. Just letting you know, you forget. Another is, it is of course, that we always have new people joining us and, and people who haven't yet stepped into this. But the framework is that if you grasp hold of this ABC of discipleship, right through our year, then we can see God continue to do amazing things in us, through us, and in us. And, and, and if you have forgotten, the A is assume that God wants to use you. The B is believe God is bigger. C is cultivate intimacy with God. And D is develop habits or start the habits of discipleship. A, B, C, D of discipleship. And, and I want to come and, and, and spend a little bit of time talking to you about, uh, about the assumption that God will use you. And uh, an assumption is just uh, uh, you supposing that it's true even without any evidence that can come from it. And, and I kind of like that for this because I don't really, I don't think we should come going, well, I'm only going to allow God to work in me when I have the evidence that God's working with me. I don't want you to do that. I want you to assume that God's desire is to work in you and through you right from the beginning. 
and that the evidence will come at a later date. I want it to be, dare I say, your default setting. That wherever you find yourself, whatever is happening in your life, your default setting, your factory setting, is to assume that God wants to use you. That God wants to do something deep inside you and to do something profound in you. And in 1 Corinthians 3.9, it, it outlines that God desires for us to be co-workers with him. How exciting is that? That God, in his infinite wisdom, with all our faults and all our flaws and all our our struggles, he says, I want to use you. And if we have that spirit inside of us, man, no matter who we are, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what our struggle is, no matter what our insecurity is, I want us to have the confidence that God can use us. And I want to draw on the fact that God will use people who aren't even in his kingdom to do his will, so why would he not want to use people who are in his kingdom to do his will? How many times in the Old Testament do you read stories of God using another country to do his will? Even though they didn't worship him, even though they didn't um, believe that he was the God, they had another God, God would still use them. Why couldn't he use someone who's outside of the family? How much more is God going to use someone who's inside the family? I want it to be our default setting that God wants to be with us. He says, I want you to enter into and to understand the blessing it is to be used by God. The blessing that it is to be used by God. That God will bless you and you will bless others because you work on and you have this assumption in your life. I want you to miss it. Because if we come with an assumption that God doesn't want to use us, then we're going to miss out on all that God is going to do. There are times where, where if, if I'm not looking for it, then I, I just miss it. But I come with this assumption, so every time I go on an airplane, I'm looking for the sucker who's sitting next to me. Because I'm going, God, is this the airline conversation we're going to have? I've been waiting for it. Every time I walk into a room, I say, God, what do you want me to do here? Do you want me to speak to someone? Do you want me to set out the chairs? Do you want me to serve someone? What do you want me to do? And as I step into that, then I can be a blessing. I, I, I'm not much of a party guy. I, I don't really like being around huge crowds of people that I don't know. It's not my default setting, but what I've learned is that if I come with an assumption that God wants to use me and I step into a room with people I don't know, then the Spirit will just guide me to those people. Go, Barry, what's your problem? I go, okay. Now, the conversation might not go anywhere, but that's okay because I'm just following the Spirit's guidance of what He wants to do. I just want to assume that God wants to use me. And so in every circumstances, even in circumstances that are uncomfortable for me, I want to step into the blessing that God can do something in me or through me. Um, 
sometimes the most fantastic and miraculous conversations are ones that I don't expect or come in situations that I'm not ready for. But because I, I keep my eyes open and my ears open, I find God's the blessing and I can be a blessing. I mean, we can have this battlefield in our mind, can't we? And maybe you're having it right now when I'm talking about assuming God's using you. The battlefield of, of the, the, um, the what, the where and the why. We can have this battlefield of going, well, what can God do through me? I don't think God can do anything, but I don't know what he can do. Or uh, I, I don't know why God would want to use me or, or I don't have time or I don't have this or I don't have that. We can have that battlefield in our mind. your circumstances, despite your flaws, because he loves you. And as we come to the beginning of the year, I want to encourage you that if we can step into this one place, if we can step into this reality, that God will do more than we can ever hope or imagine. So we're going to read a, a story right now from the Bible, and, and I want to set the scene before we get there. It's in Acts 16. And the story is of Paul and Silas in prison. And, and, and <clears throat> it's a bit long, so I wanted to um, just encapsulate the story about how they got into prison, and then I'll read the story of them being in prison. So uh, Paul and Silas were doing uh, ministry in Philippi, and there was a lady there who, could, uh, who was a slave who could tell the future that's what she did and her masters made a great deal of money out of her telling the future and there's a bit of debate about scholars about this but um, she saw Paul and Silas and she had uh, a revelation that these were men of God and they worshipped the most high and people should listen to them so everywhere they went she went behind them and said listen to these guys they're amazing. They worship the most high God. And scholars debate about why Paul got annoyed at this, but I can just tell you Paul got annoyed at it. I mean, he might have just got annoyed because it was consistent nagging of this person. Could have got annoyed at it because there was, um, he had to explain himself all the time as she was going around behind them. But whatever reason why Paul got annoyed, Paul got annoyed and he cast the spirit out of this slave girl that enabled her to tell the future. Now, we don't like to talk about revelation cultures anymore, but I'm just going to leave there that this, the evil spirit can do bizarre things with people. And so once the masters realized that this, this uh, slave girl could no longer tell fortunes, they knew that their money had dried up. They got angry. They got furious. And, uh, and so they got Paul and Silas arrested and thrown into prison. And when you're arrested in those days, it's not a gentle experience. They were battered and bruised. They were whipped and torn and left bleeding 
from years ago, and this is where we pick up in Acts 16, 20 to 35. It says, they brought them before the magistrate and said, these men are Jews who are throwing our city into uproar. What were they doing? Well, they cast out an evil spirit. That's what they did. And by advocating customs unlawful to us Romans uh, to accept or touch. So they're saying that this religion that they're talking about, this Jesus that they're talking about, this is outside of our spectrum. Even though the Roman culture at the time was a culture that believed in many gods and every god was welcome. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, not just gently flogged, not just a little bit flogged, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So the jailer was told, these people cannot escape. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, that is the most secure place, and fastened their feet in the stocks or in wooden uh, places. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I love that. I love that concept. Here they are, beaten and scorned and put in the most secure place. And their response was praise, sing some songs. And I love that it says, and everyone was listening. There were two things. I reckon the guards were listening. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and every bond's chain came loose. And the jailer woke up. And when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So he was charged that they shouldn't escape and then he woke up to see that everybody, every door was open and thought that they had escaped. And he was going to kill himself to save the environment. But Paul shouted, do not harm yourself. How do you know? I don't know. We're all here. The jailer called for light, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I love this. So as a response to the, to the singing and, and the worshipping, as a response to God freeing them, to a response of them not running away, the jailer comes to a realisation that the God that Paul and Silas have been preaching about is true. And he comes to them and says, what must I do to be saved? They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the, the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his household. And at the hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house 
said a meal before him, he was filled with guilt because he had become, uh, he had come to believe in God who had sent his son. So here we have this uh, amazing story, one of my favourite stories in the Bible, because here we see Paul and Silas doing some some thinking or having some attitudes that I think that are really helpful for us when we come to assume that God wants to use us. Here they were, battered and bruised and beaten, and they didn't let it change who they were. There was an attitude that they had that says, I'm in the middle of this, God must be here with us. There was an assumption that no matter what their circumstance, that God was there and that God was going to do something. I love this. You see it outlined much because they didn't run away when the chains fell off and the doors opened. They stayed there. Why did they stay there? Because they knew that God was up to something. If you're just worried about wanting to get out of there, if you you were scared of your circumstances, if you didn't think that God was with you, then you would have run. As soon as the chains fall out, as soon as the doors open, you would bolt, wouldn't you? But here we see that, that Paul and Silas have this attitude as they say, I like where I am, I like what's happening to me. Somehow I know that God's going to use me. Second attitude that Paul and Silas take is they worship God and not the circumstances. They worship God and not the circumstances. I don't know how I would feel if I got beaten for a faith. Or thrown in stocks in the middle of a prison. But I can tell you my number one response would not be to pray and ask God to send someone to me. It would probably be a little darker. But here we see that Paul knows and, and Silas knows that their trust is in God and not in their circumstances. And how many times do we look at our circumstances and then wonder whether God's there? But Paul and Silas flipped that and said, I don't care about the circumstances because I know that God is there. They have a different attitude. They're not looking for signs. They're just believing that God is at work and that God will use them. They worship God and not their circumstances. And thirdly, unashamed of sharing their faith in freedom. They just, they just worship and pour it out there. And everyone's listening and they don't care. Some of us can't even sing in church because we're afraid of people hearing us sing. here we see that they wear their faith on their sleeve and, and they don't care who hears them. They're in prison for the first faith, for proclaiming the gospel. And now they are singing it. I wonder how much anxiety and fear in our lives would be overcome if we're resting our faith 
how much tyranny and anxiety may slip out of our lives. But we know that no matter what our circumstances, that God's with us. Whether we walk with God or not, our circumstances will change as we become believing and being the people of God that God has called us to be. How much fear and anxiety deep down in our soul that God wants to use us no matter what is happening in our lives. No matter what God is, uh, no matter what comes our way, no matter what trouble, no matter what circumstances, no matter what beating the world may put upon us, no matter whether we think we're good enough or whether we have doubts about us or whether God can use us or not, I want us to enter into the blessing of the kingdom of God now. Because when we enter into the assumption that God wants to use us, we enter into looking for the opportunities that are before us, not the challenge that we have. When we enter into assuming that God wants to use us, we start looking for the opportunities. When when I'm at at work and I'm I'm wanting to see, uh, I'm walking into a room, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm not saying God change this room. I'm not saying God change people's lives. I'm saying, God, what is the opportunity? when we have enough we have the assumption that God can use us then opportunities come our way and we're looking for them and we're ready for them and we're looking to God and not to the fear that's inside of us we're looking to be a blessing and looking at how we can serve him and when we have this assumption that God can use us then we let God be our defender. We let God be the judge. We let God be the judge. And so today I want to put to you that in every moment, in every area of your life, is kingdom service. Now, I come with this assumption and God doesn't take every moment of my life. I'm yet to have that conversation on airplane. I really want to have. But I assume that it's going to happen one day because my heart's ready and God will do what God wants to do. Maybe I should stop taking extra hours. So look at your life. Every area, every moment. can you allow God to step in and take that opportunity? Because in the end, as Paul and Silas were there, as they didn't run, as they sat there and worshipped God, as they, they went about their business, they came a destination of an entire family, of an entire nation. 
because they were able to not look at their circumstances but, but worship God, that's because they were there and they realized that God was at work, a jailer who was about to take his life not only was saved, but his whole household was saved. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a person who walks into a room and says, God, what do you want to do here? And, and to see more and more people's eternal destinies changed for the glory of God. So how do we do that? How do we get to a point where we can assume that God wants to use us? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts, just some thoughts. First of all, the thought is this. Are you ready? And we're going to talk about this in a bit uh, in, uh, in a couple of weeks. But be as ready as you can to hear the voice of God. Be connected to God. Spend your time learning to listen to his voice and to know the Spirit's movement in your life. As I've been working with different people about hearing the voice of God, it becomes very, very clear very quickly that everyone hears the voice of God differently. And so we, we need to understand how God speaks to us, how God nudges us, how God directs us, and we need to be connected and we need to be close. And we're going to do that in a couple of weeks when we talk about being um, cultivating intimacy with God. But there has to be a posture of us being ready, being willing, being open to it. The second thing is live your faith on your sleeve. And this is a part of our evangelism strategy in this place. I was uh, at a, a party during uh, the holidays. It was an engagement party. I wasn't really ready to speak to people, but I was there, and so I did. And, and, and I had some fantastic conversations. And, and as I was there, I was talking to uh, another minister because we just hang out at the same parties together. Um, and I, I was talking about our evangelism strategy, and I said, the first thing we want to do is offer prayer to people. And as I was talking, God started to speak to me. And as I was talking about, you know, we just, we just say, Pastor Mark, you know, would you like prayer for whatever situation is happening in your life? And it dawned on me, that's exactly what we do at church, isn't it? When someone has an issue in church, the first thing we do is pray for them. Why? Can I, can I pray for you? Because we know that they're open to it. And the evangelism strategy is just casting that net a little bit li wider and saying, I do this for my family in church. I'm going to do it for you. It's about wearing our faith on our sleeve. And here Paul and Silas lived their faith on their sleeve. No matter what their circumstances, no matter what's going on, they just are free to follow God how God has gathered them together. So how do you do it? Well, you get ready. Get yourself ready, get yourself connected to God. You live your faith on your sleeve. What you do for your brothers and sisters you do for everyone else. If you pray for them, pray for them too. Secondly, praise God for, uh, thirdly, praise God for where you are right now. Don't let the circumstances be your limiters. But praise God for where you are. And you might be in a really horrible place at the moment. 
and, and things might not be as great as you want them to be. But I can tell you that God will move in your, in your praising of him despite your circumstances than if you just focus on your circumstances. So just praise God wherever you are, whatever's going on. Out of work, praise God. Say, God, I'm out of work. I want to be in work, but I'm going to praise you anyway. Got some health concerns? Pray. And praise God. Say, God, I'm going to praise you. And, and I know that my health is not what it should be, but I'm going to praise you. And, and I'm going I'm to put my cares upon you. And I'm just going to praise you for my cares. Despite my circumstances. Praise God. bold enough in our prayers. We're not bold enough in what we ask God to do. So ask God to do it. And I'm sure that when the doors swung open and when the chains fell off of Peter, how full of excitement they would have been. They would have looked at each other in amazement at Paul and Peter. Sorry, Peter. Yes, that's probably not so much, but that wow was they would have turned to each other and said, what does God want us to do? And probably nothing. When we assume that God wants to do something, we open ourselves up to God's plans and to God's timing. And I believe that God will use us as his co-workers in our circumstances. Let's pray together. Will you stand to your feet? pray for a couple of people uh, today, not individually, I'm not limiting you to, but a couple of circumstances today. I, I want to pray for those people who feel like they're crushed by their circumstances. And I pray for you this morning. And I want to pray for people who want to be used by God to see God's hands in their life. So will you bow your heads? And we're going to pray. And if you are someone who bow your heads again. If you're someone who feels crushed by your circumstances, I just want you to put your cup, your hand, your hands on your heart. Say, God, I'm crushed by my circumstances. I want to see you move. I want to see you do something in my life. And if you are to be used by God in, in, in every area of your life. Just put your hands on your heart and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. Loving and holy God, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and for your faithfulness to us. And right now, Lord, I want to pray for everyone who wants to experience you and, and who wants to step out in faith and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Lord, may you pour your Holy Spirit out afresh and anew upon them. May they know your love and your glory and your goodness. Draw them close, Lord, and enable them to hear your voice and to know your ways.
walk away thinking, that's why they said you can't. Everywhere they turn, if they turn to the left or to the right, it just seems like another thing goes wrong or another thing restricts them. Lord, I pray that you'll speak deeply into people's hearts right now. And if they will know that they know that they know that you are for them, that you love them, and that you are the way maker. Give them a heart of praise, Lord. Give them a heart to, to lift up to you and say, God, despite what I see, I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to see you shake the foundations and open the doors and see new possibilities for the future. Lord, bless them. Bless these people here and the people who are 